All right, welcome in for another edition of the College Basketball Dream Preview, pregame.com. I am AJ Hoffman, joined as always by Griffin Warner. Griffin, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine, AJ. Welcome to 2022. Uh, sorry to everybody if you were expecting this in your feed this morning um, as we were recording on Monday. Unfortunately, I was stuck uh, flying back from good old Savannah, Georgia, and you can even check I think we took off through a tornado, and they just stopped caring after a little while because I guess the plane needed to get to DFW. Well, I'm glad you're alive, friend. This podcast would have been much more boring without you, and you're carrying our best bets right now, so I need you to stay alive until I can get my stuff together. We're getting it together, starting today. Boy, I hope you're right, buddy. Uh, so we're going to go a little different than normal. Normally, we don't we go over the four biggest games. And then we give a, a best bet each at the end. There's going to be one less game we go over because Griffin's best bet happens to be on one of the four big games that we picked this week. So we'll save that one for the end. And we will uh, we'll start with the SEC, where football, is everything's working right for the SEC. I don't know what basketball is going to be like. I don't know anything about SEC basketball right now. It is a wild thing. And one of the wildest things I've seen was LSU just getting smacked by Auburn. For them to lose, okay, but losing the way they did was very surprising. We're going we're gonna to project Kentucky about two-point dogs at LSU. And I, this is going to be an interesting front court matchup for sure. LSU has dominated most front court matchups this year, but Oscar Shibway is maybe the the most impactful transfer that happened in the entire offseason. And he is – a re- he's a walking rebound. He's, I mean, if there's a a college version of Dennis Rodman, he's it. He's getting every rebound. It's insane. Uh, I, if he gets going, okay, there's going to be a problem for LSU. I could see LSU getting him in foul trouble early, and then LSU's got a chance. What I saw in that Auburn game is the first time they've really looked kind of lost. And they scored. Did you see any of this game, Griffin? Yes, I did. I saw it was eighteen to one um, to start, and then I I think we had even t- gone into this a little bit, and that LSU had started the game on a one nothing run. Um, unfortunately, that changed pretty quickly. Um, I I'm really scared of Auburn at Auburn Arena. Is is probably the most I can say about that. Okay, well. You mentioned they got off to a one nothing lead, and they that was with about, I don't know, 20 seconds into the game. They got a free throw, and then they didn't score for the next 10 minutes. They went 10 minutes and 46 seconds of game time and scored one point. They could not get an easy look. They ended up shooting 28% from the field, and they've been bullying everybody all year, and, and they got kind of bullied. So I, I think it makes sense to kind of question how legit their start was that said, Kentucky on the road has not been good. Uh, they were 4-7 and seven in true road games last year. They're 0-1 this year with a loss to Notre Dame, which I don't think anybody thinks Notre Dame is like some great team. This is going to be the toughest team Kentucky's seen since the opener against Duke. So maybe that LSU schedule being a little soft, doesn't. it's not as big of a factor. I just don't think that LSU starts off 0-2 in SEC play. I think – like I said, they've got athletic bigs. They, they could get Shibwe in foul trouble, and if they do that, I think they can get some separation here. I don't know how crazy I am about this matchup. I, I, what I found is, boy, it's it's scary to bet 
teams on the road, especially their first conference road game? What do you see? Yeah, um, I think we've talked about it. I'm trying to uh, support uh, the or believe in the the home court advantage a little bit more than I have in, in last season for sure because there's ghost games all over the place with hardly any crowds. But um, I, I, you know, I'm kind of surprised. I kind of felt like you were you buried the lead a little bit there as uh, that was a very anti LSU pro Kentucky start just to be interested in uh, potentially betting LSU. And, and honestly, they were, I mean, you, so normal process behind the pod, AJ throws out the games of the week. And honestly, two of them that I was considering as my best bet, uh, one of them was this game. I really like LSU. Um, I don't know that it's because I fully believe in who they are um, and what that really gaudy start to the season, thanks to playing a ton of home games. Um, and a fairly soft schedule. But ultimately, I think what uh, Will Wade did in playing his schedule, which at home is a big, certainly a big advantage you just talked about, but he's played some of the better, um, I think, smaller conference or mid-major like conference favorites. And I was kind of surprised that he'd even be willing to do that because uh, it's potentially some eyesores on his resume. So I feel like the 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 wins at home and the great start to the season at 12 and 0 um, could could be one of those things that we think was a little bit softer than they deserve. Um, but beating Liberty, Belmont, um, Ohio are really, really good teams from smaller conferences. And, you know, I, I believe in, in kind of what Will Wade is building there. Plus, I'm not really a believer at this point in Kentucky. Um, definitely paid the price going against uh, them with UNC in the rescheduled Las Vegas game. And I feel like that was a lot of uh, Kentucky's guards really bringing to uh, the posh UNC backcourt that I think was not as proven and, and really I think was also reading their press clippings about how great they were. Um, and Kentucky certainly like saw that off or cut that in half basically and, and right away got in your face. I feel like LSU with a home crowd behind them is a little bit different and on neutral. Certainly, I'm a little bit worried about the Kentucky guards and their defense uh, and what that does to an LSU offense. That certainly isn't the prettiest thing in the world. Um, but I'm just not. I think as we've talked about on this pod uh, and probably I've, I've said it a few times, Kentucky, this, this team isn't built on the really talented freshmen. And I feel like they're a little bit limited in their talent. Uh, Oscar Shibway, who would have lit it up at West Virginia if he didn't have some behavioral or some sort of disagreement with Bob Huggins would still be there, um, is a load inside and is, I mean, it's kind of unbelievable, his offensive rebounding rates, but um, and that's certainly something that will help Kentucky get extra opportunities. But I feel like with LSU, your projection of minus two, or I think there are even some minus one and a halfs out there right now. Um, I'm really interested in seeing what LSU can do with a big crowd because you know it's going to be a sellout and the biggest thing that LSU can put together. Uh, and I'm not sure that people are really that worried about COVID uh, down there. And I really like the matchup with Darius Days, both inside and outside. As I think he's one of the most versatile players in America. Well, you might be talking me into this thing, so uh, I appreciate that. Let's look. Let's go to the Big Twelve. Kansas, we're projecting a five-point favorite at Oklahoma State. What do you see? Uh, I think you've talked about it early. From I think when I had a best bet on on Oklahoma State early in the year is is trying to gauge their motivation, uh, considering it doesn't look like their appeals or anything's happening with that about them being banned from the NCAA tournament. And I feel like that has kind of resulted in. Um, some kind of up and down uh, from from their team so far this year. Also losing like one of the a lottery pick has certainly made it a lot harder 
on Oklahoma State offense to make the, the open shots they were getting last season. Um, I was really impressed by Boynton's club down the stretch, kind of when they decided they were going to appeal or the NCAA wasn't going to hear their case. And they went on a huge run, ended up getting a five seed or four seed. And, and it, like that, that team was awesome. And I thought they'd be really good this year. Unfortunately, uh, and even losing Cade Cunningham, I still thought that they would kind of bounce back and, and that they might even be in addition uh by subtraction type of formula here. I haven't really seen that from them this year, and I don't know really why that's the case. They do have like great defensive players, a lot of length. They can block a lot of shots, and I feel like the pressure is there. I don't know that Boynton has used it as much as I would have if I were him, but that might be a depth thing. I'm sure he knows the team better than I do. Uh, meanwhile, Kansas, I feel like, hasn't really played that that exact like KU type of non-conference schedule that we were all expecting. Uh, they usually play like the biggest teams uh, in the country. And I feel like we haven't really had that ever since the openers in the whatever tournament that's called. Um, but I think their biggest weapon really is, uh, besides Oshai Abaji, who's just great uh, and really, really talented all around. But I think it's ultimately it's inside with David McCormick. And I feel like he's going to run into a lot of length and a lot of uh, good defensive players inside. And certainly he's d- diversified his game and is a lot better now. But I think Kansas has a road favorite in a situation where Bill Self has never really done well against his alma mater, uh, lost a ton of games with a lot to a lot worse Oklahoma state programs or teams at that time that I'm pretty interested in the home dog. I'm just, I, I got to try to figure out if it's, if it's worth going against KU cause they're, they're going to be awesome at some point this year. Yeah. I, I, I kind of lean against you on this one. I, I don't want to really get in front of this Kansas team right now. And they're playing really, really well. And they were that win against George Mason like when when you got when you get Remy Martin scratched right before the game, that's a good win, man. Yeah. And they did say Bill Self said Remy Martin's a good he's a go for this game, which gives them the versatility their offense kind of needs because that you're right, it is going to be clogged up inside. Oklahoma State, it, they just cannot shoot the ball. Uh, it's dreadful. Three hundred twenty six nationally, and then the other number that jumps out is they're three hundred third nationally in free throw percentage, which. Kansas usually doesn't have the free throw shooting edge over you. And this Oklahoma State team is just dreadful at the line. And then on top of that, they're they're just they're sloppy with the ball. Uh I I don't really see the edges for this team. Like they're not going to control Kansas on the glass. And that's what we've seen. The way to beat Kansas is to is to beat them on the on the glass. And uh Dayton did that of all teams, which I I didn't really see happening, but they did it. And no one else has been able to do it. And, you know, you mentioned their size. Maybe Oklahoma State can do it with that size. But every time Oklahoma State has has stepped up in class this year, they've gotten smacked. Uh, even the the semi step up games when they when they played Oral Roberts or Cleveland State, those those games were overtime games. But against the best teams that they've played, they just haven't been on that level. And that includes a couple home games against Wichita State and Xavier, where they just they got beat outright at home. They lost to Oakland at home. Uh, so I don't know that this team has the the kind of home court that's really going to trip up Kansas. You mentioned the history for self against Oak State, which I think probably warrants some respect. And the fact that this is their first real road game, although they played St. John's. Uh, I want to say they played them like on Long Island in New York. Yeah, in New York, but not not, you know, in, in the arena. So I, I guess that's a, a semi. But 
this doesn't feel like a spot where I think, oh, man, Kansas might be in trouble here. I, I think Kansas can win this game and probably win it comfortably. I mean, you, you may – it's funny. You talked me into the first one. You may have talked me out of this one, but it's, <laughs> it's certainly still a, a heavy lean towards Kansas. You know, I, I think we're in a part of the season where early conference play is really tough. So um, just to, to AJ, to you, probably saying this for my own benefit, Sometimes it might be better just to watch a little bit unless you're feeling really good about something right now. Um, but yeah, there's certainly plenty on the o- Oklahoma State resume that would make you want to stay far away from this one. All right. We are going to stay in the Big 12 for a game between Iowa State and Texas Tech. We're going to project Texas Tech to – I think we're going to go, go ahead and call it a pick. Texas Tech is a pick. At Iowa State, uh, I, I've got to check the number to make sure that's exactly right because we may it, that number may be up right now. Um, but I was impressed with Iowa State against Baylor. I, I thought maybe there was potential they could get run out, and they didn't. They hung with them. I, I said, "Man, I, I really worry how a team with a freshman point guard is going to hang against Baylor." And he wasn't bad. Four assists, three turnovers. Certainly wasn't the reason they lost the game. Tech has kind of bullied teams. Until they couldn't. And when they played Providence and Gonzaga, they couldn't bully them, and they they got beat. Uh, Those were their losses. Iowa State's not built that way. Iowa State is not built like a bully. Um, But given that this is just Tech's second road game and the first was the Providence loss, it's probably going to be Iowa State or pass for me. What do you see? Yeah, I I think Hilton Magic is a really serious thing that you got to think about. had a couple years off where their teams were so bad um, and, and it's hard to really get excited about anybody, but I feel like in Ames, Iowa during the winter, you live for this. Uh, Cause I don't know what else is there. No offense. Shout out Ames. If you live there, or you've been there. Um, it's on my list someday, just not exactly at the top. Um, but you know, I, I think from, from where I look at this game, I think the Texas tech defense is going to be a big, big problem for Iowa state. Um, but I'm also not in a position that I really want to kind of step into to Hilton magic and go the other way with a team. That's not going to be getting more than a, a pick them, like maybe even a couple points. Can't, can't see this getting above a possession. Uh, and so that makes me want to really respect home court as I've been trying to talk about this, this podcast or this year so far. And, you know, I think Iowa state, I credit them even in a loss, uh, no moral victories, I guess, but I think hanging with Baylor was impressive. As you said, um, I thought it was certainly one of those times where we could really see if they are a, a fraud and they get blown out. But um, I think hanging with, with Baylor, considering how good that program has been for a couple of years, I feel like that's a good sign for kind of how legit they are as, as a potential team in the big 12 that no one was really giving any respect coming into the year. Um, Texas tech, I, I think they have enough offensive issues that uh, it's going to be really hard for them to hang around. If Iowa state are, are scoring well, uh, certainly when you have a, a great defense that can certainly balance things out for Texas tech, but um, at a pick them at home, I think Iowa state is, is the play here. Yeah. I, I think we kind of, we, we tend to lean to the same way here. I, I think that you're right. The Hilton magic is, is something that could play a role. And I think that was enough to keep them in the game with Baylor, which in, in another situation, I, I, I could have seen that Baylor team just running them off the floor. So, all right, let's take a let's go back to the SEC for your best bet, where we're projecting Alabama a one point dog at Florida. 
Yes, we are. And uh, we generally try on this pod to do something different uh, and certainly not off the, the game of the weeks type of thing. Um, but yeah, I couldn't resist Florida. Um, it's it's a great home court from back in the Billy Donovan days. And I think both you and I have had some questions about Mike White, the current head coach of Florida, and being a little bit um, not in love with him in terms of I think he's always going to have a team that pressures the basketball and plays really good defense. Uh, scoring is, is seems to be an issue for them. Uh, but I feel like when they brought in uh, Castleton, a, a big guy, uh, center transfer from, from Michigan, that he's he's been one of those players that you can go to and you can rely on him to, if he's not scoring, to be drawing fouls in the opposition or sucking in the defense and then a couple passes and you get an open shot. Um, and I'm pretty interested in Florida at home against an Alabama team who I just don't believe in. Um, Alabama with uh, a miraculous, it feels even more miraculous every time I think about it, uh, their win against Houston, which is back and forth and, and probably was won on, on a home court because of the advantage that the, the crowd gave to him or even the ref advantage late when a goaltend was missed. Um, but then I think from what I've watched with Alabama and kind of expecting them to be a lot better of a team, looking at a, kind of how they've run through their schedule, expecting them to have a lot more wins versus their competition than they really have. The loss of Davidson was troubling on a like really quick rescheduled uh, game that wasn't supposed to happen in Birmingham, uh, losing to Memphis and not really a close game as we've discussed at length on, on this pod, which was pretty disappointing to me as well. And, and I own a loss on a, a good Rick Pitino team, uh, which could probably beat anybody, uh, but still just doesn't make me feel that, that, that's scared of an Alabama team that I think is, is really trying to fight through, trying to figure out who they are as a team. They they just meet, seem to make a lot of bad plays that don't really make a lot of sense. Um, got bailed out after trailing Tennessee for uh, like 39 minutes of a game or even longer than that. Uh, and I just think that, that Florida on a home court – um, just giving a, a few points, pretty much anything minus three or less, and I can't imagine it even be that high. Uh, but even if it gets to minus three, I think I'm still pretty interested in Florida uh, potentially being bailed out by some free throws late, uh, if it's even that close. But I'm not sure it will be. Yeah, Alabama dreadful at the free throw line. And anytime there's a, a closely lined game, that's one of the first things I look at. And that's somewhere that they just they're not very good. And that in a close game, that could end up costing them. So I, I certainly lean to your way. I don't know why I can't get past the Florida loss to Texas Southern at home. It, like, <laughs> it not only lost, like got blown out at home. That that result just – it's got me so scared of whatever Florida can be. Like, I, I every time I think, oh, maybe they're good, I, I think of that game and I'm like, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm not interested in that. So – so I do, I do think that there is plenty of value in looking at teams. Um, I think even for like tournament runs in March to really be looking at who they've lost to, because uh, some of these are inexplicable and maybe it was an off night, but to get handled by a, a SWAC team doesn't ever feel good. Uh, but it's also one of those things where like these are or those type of results are the ones that give us these lines where they are. Um, and I'm hoping on, let's see. December 6th that Florida was a much different team than they they are uh this week yeah we've had almost a almost a full month I mean it's got <laughs> I mean I hope they've shaken it off because if not uh we're gonna go back in the wrong direction with the best bets and we're not letting that happen in 2022 all right I'm with you and for my best bet I am going to stay in the SEC um, but I'm gonna be doing something that we've kind of been preaching against and I'm going to play a road team here. So 
not just I'm, I'm not going against a good home team. I'm going against Georgia. So I'm going to go with Texas A&M minus six at Georgia, which that line's available right now. This Aggie team is turning into what Buzz Williams kind of hoped it would be. And they went from the first two years that Buzz was there, they shot sub 30% from three. And that's just Buzz Williams can't win with if that's what he's going to get from the three point line because he's going to shoot threes, threes and D. And right now they're shooting 38% from three. So they've finally got the shooters that he wanted there. The defense is strong, they're top 50 in defensive efficiency. And Georgia is just a mess. They they lost back-to-back home games to East Tennessee State and Gardner-Webb. And there's nothing about what I'm seeing out of them that makes me think that this is going to change anytime soon. It, like, it, Besides the shooting and defensive efficiency, A&M creates turnovers on 26% of possessions. Georgia is just waiting to turn the ball over. It, the coaching mismatch here is tremendous. And Georgia just isn't strong in any of the areas that you could expose A&M. Every Ken Palm outside the top 200 team that A&M's played, they beat by double digits. Georgia's sitting at 216. Again, this is only A&M's second road game this year, but they won their first one. That was at Oregon State, which is like a better version of Georgia, another really awful power six team, but certainly better than Georgia. Uh, but they went there and they got a win. So I, I don't think that there's going to be any sort of problems going to Georgia, a place where, you know, SOCON teams are going and, and winning outright. I think A&M with this improved team that Buzz has is going to go in there and, and get themselves a nice win at Georgia. What do you see? Well, I mean, I it's hard for me to want to step in on any sort of thing that talks about Georgia. Uh, even have the, the Goodman uh, – what is this Jeff Goodman of the world, like reining in and saying that who's, who's a friend of all coaches that no one believed that Tom Crean was going to be a good hire at, at UGA. And uh, I got to say, they have some important games coming up uh, on the, on the gridiron. And uh, you know, it's always been a tough stadium to fill and make that meaningful. So uh, I think while we're, we're being hesitant or being considerate of, of home course we're going against, I don't think that, uh, <laughs> The Stegman Coliseum in Athens, Georgia, is one that's really that scary to, to worry about. All right. Well, hopefully we get get it back on track with the best bets. Well, at least with my best bets. You keep winning yours, so that's a good thing, uh, keeping us alive. But I, I promise to start pulling my weight soon, Griffin. Uh, glad that you made it back safely, my man. Great job getting in and doing it tonight. Uh, thanks to Brad and McKenzie in the back. Thanks to you guys for tuning in and listening. And best of luck this week, and we will be back with another episode on Thursday night. You guys take care.